Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Utah Statesman Sports Desk Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Ballantyne, and joining me today will be Jacob Nielsen. He will be joining us later on in the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this bonus episode, the Washington State preview bonus episode. We here at the Sports Desk are so stoked for this weekend. We are so excited to be back in football season. We're excited that the Aggies are finally taking the field again. So we are, uh, we're, we're really glad to have you, uh, have you here uh, listening to the show. So we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, today we will be talking about that Washington State game in, in depth. We, we talked about it a little bit yesterday as uh, as Ryan and I went over the full season preview. Uh, but Jacob and I will be looking a little bit closer at their depth chart, uh, our own depth chart, and kind of, of course, talking about the quarterback situation, uh, looking at that a little bit as well. I'm excited to get Jacob's perspective on all of that. He has he has great insight and uh, great expertise, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting uh, getting his perspective on not only Washington State's roster and and what they're capable of doing, but uh, more more our own because he's he's really dialed in and well connected with our own roster and should uh, should have some some good information on um, our roster on what our team is capable of doing and what they are uh, what they're going to look like when they head out to Pullman and take on the Washington State Cougars. So we're, we're, we're glad to have him back. Before we bring him on and before we talk about football, I do want to draw attention to some of the success happening places on campus other than football. The, the success in football is coming, but the success in uh, soccer has already started. First-year coach Manny Martins has led the team so far to an undefeated season through four games. They opened up the season at Idaho State and tied 0-0. And then they came home and played Northern Arizona and Northern Colorado. They won those games 2-1 and then 2-0 respectively. And then they went down to Ogden and beat up on the Weber State Wildcats 1-0. They do play Utah Valley, uh, which will be tonight. And then... Uh, Marquette as well next week. So uh, a lot of success over on uh, over on the soccer side of things. We're really excited for Manny Martins and the success that he's been able to have early on. Um, Jacob does have a piece actually about about Manny Martins and uh, some of the success that he's been having. So we'll we'll go ahead and link that in the show notes. Make sure you check that out uh, because that, uh, he's he's doing a lot of good work here. Uh, his staff is great and the uh, soccer team is doing really really well. Volleyball has also started. Uh, they opened up the season uh, with a loss at Weber State. And then two wins to Seton Hall and North Dakota. So some success over in volleyball as well. So really just a, a solid year um, for Utah State Athletics. Uh, the, their success is hopefully to be repeated by Utah State football, which kicks off tomorrow night at 9 p.m. After that, we do bring it home on the 10th, uh, which is a Friday for Patriot Day against the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. That game is at 7 p.m. local time. So make sure you're buying your tickets to that if you haven't already. Um, in addition to that, we do have some some other home events that uh, that you should be you know getting getting uh, tickets to. Uh, make sure you're getting uh, you're getting your tickets to, to volleyball and and soccer as well. We do have some some games coming up in in all all, all those sports. Um, so make sure you're you're supporting uh, volleyball, soccer, and of course football. The football game is a whiteout, so make sure you are wearing white uh, to that game. And so. Get your tickets and wear white. And while you're there, why don't you just go ahead and buy tickets to the rest of the games as well um, because you're not going to want to miss a lot of this uh, Utah State football team. Um, before we get Jacob on, I, I want to talk about some of the other concerns, once again, um, that have been brought up to me about the football team. If you don't know, 
we love feedback here at the, at the sports desk. So if you have any questions or concerns about the football team, let us know, and we can talk about it. It's uh, one of my favorite things to talk about on the show when I know it's, it's questions that you guys have, uh, that you guys have brought up. So I'm, I'm not going to talk uh, uh, too much about the quarterback situation right now just because we've, I've talked about it extensively on, on shows in the past, including the show that aired yesterday, and I'm sure Jacob and I will have, uh, have stuff to talk about uh, regarding our quarterback situation later. Um, but I will address the concern with the offense, you know, people being nervous about the Aggie offense, um, and, and this is something we kind of alluded to yesterday or that Ryan alluded to yesterday, um, but I've, I, you know, I've, I've heard... Uh, concern saying up tempo is great if the ball is moving and they can sustain a drive, but uh, when it's when it's not working, you are going you know when you're going three and out, it's 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 a disaster. It's not just bad; it's it's a disaster, and that's true. There's there's you know that's just the only it's the only way to put it. When when the offense isn't moving, when you play an air raid offense, the offense is is really really bad, and three and out is really really bad. All the time, but especially when you're trying to run an up-tempo, no-huddle, air-raid offense, which it, it seems like we will uh, will be running this year. This is no, uh, this is not new information to us. We we might remember the 2019 year where uh, Utah State was still having a lot of success, but offensively, uh, after Coach Wells took uh, Coach Yost and, and left, we we had some offensive struggles with even with Jordan Love at the quarterback. We we kind of remember some of those frustrations where going three and out was uh, was a frustration and and could be a disaster, and definitely leads to uh, more fatigue on the defensive end and, and all that. So yeah, it, it, that could be a disaster if we if we're trying to run an air raid up tempo offense and it's not working. Uh, that's that's a huge huge problem. The good thing about that is we do have some options. We we talked yesterday about how. Uh, Blake Anderson does have some contingency plans where if Logan Bonner's out there, Logan Bonner's kind of the gunslinger of the team, and if he's not able to connect or if Washington State's defensive line is is causing problems, then maybe we put in uh, Andrew Peasley, let him run more of an option offense and see what he can do. That's, you know, again, that's that's an option. That's something that we we can do. But, yeah, absolutely, if the offense isn't isn't going to get rolling, that could be uh, that could be a difficult a uh, difficult task for the defense to be on the field that much and be, you know, coming back on the field after short rest. So hopefully the the offense can get it rolling and avoid going three and out. I do think this Washington State team is a great power five team to be playing. I think their their defense is it'll be one of the probably it'll probably be one of the better defenses we play all year, um, just because they are a power five, they're a Pac twelve team. But it's it's prone to giving up big plays and uh, giving up big plays in the air, particularly, it's definitely a defense that we can find a way to exploit and and get some yards on, uh, which would be great because that 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 is a concern that I've I've been getting a lot is that Aggie offense, regardless of of the quarterback situation, outside of the quarterback situation, is this system going to work? And you know you hope so. It's it's one of those uh, systems that it's a high risk, high reward, run and gun schemes. It's similar to kind of a a three point heavy offense in basketball, which if if you guys are familiar with my work, I'm I'm pretty into the uh, the analytics on the basketball side and uh, a three-pointer is high risk, high reward, but generally it pays off. This could this could be the same thing. If you have a quarterback that can find his receivers, that high risk, high reward might be something we're willing to uh, roll the dice on, moving the ball downfield, throwing the ball, uh, moving the ball in the air. But yeah, if if it's not working, if you're if if you're not able to connect to your receivers, if they can't run their routes, or if you're if you start throwing picks, um, which are almost the only thing worse than than going three and out, then you have a serious problem on your hands, and you have to find other ways to move the ball. Um, we can rely on some of our, our running backs 
and you know Andrew Peasley uh, even in, in a in a situation where, where that would come up. But we, we, we can rely on our running back core, I think, to pick up some yards if the air raid is not working or if the uh, the up tempo isn't working. Um, and, I, and really, there's there's two parts of, of the Aggie offense that have been brought up to me as concerns, and I'll address them, I guess, both uh, right here. So the one is the the pass heavy air raid, which is as I as I've said, is the high risk, high reward. You're moving the ball in the air. You're trying to pick up big plays. Uh, you're not running the ball as much, and so you're prone to interceptions. You're prone to incompletions for. You know, obviously, you don't, you don't gain any yards. You're also prone to leaving your quarterback out in the backfield, where if he gets, uh, if, the, if that uh, if that offensive line gets gets broken through, uh, you're leaving yourself susceptible to getting uh, getting sacked and and getting uh, giving up tackles for loss. And so there are certainly concerns with the uh, the pass heavy offense. Then the other side of the uh, of what we're trying to run is the is the up tempo offense, and that that just means the you know the the no huddle. We're trying to march down the field very quickly. That's exactly what we saw in 2018 with uh, Jordan Love's, you know, his best year here with uh, Matt Wells and Coach Yost. Uh, they were here, and, and they kind of ran that fast offense, which is really, really good when it works. But, again, it's it's a little bit of a high-risk, high-reward because what you're doing is you're, you're making it very hard to defend against. It's very, very difficult for the defense to make anything happen there. Uh, it's difficult for the defense to... To defend an up-tempo offense, it's hard for them to get rotations in. Um, but then the the thing the the concern with that is if you're going three and out with a fast, high-tempo offense, you're kind of hanging your defense out to dry. Uh, you're not letting them get off the field and get rest. You're putting them on the field way too often. So there's those are the kind of the two concerns with uh, with how how the offense is going to run. I'm not. I'm not particularly worried about either of those things necessarily happening. Uh, but the unfortunate thing about about that situation is they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, they they kind of go uh, come in tandem with each other. So if the offense isn't rolling, it's probably really not going to be rolling. You're going to be seeing the air raid be taken advantage of. You're going to see some picks and things like that. But then you're also going to see a bunch of three and outs, a lot of quick turnovers. Uh, where our team is trying to move the ball fast and we turn the ball over quickly, whether it's you know something sloppy like a fumble or an interception or even just going three and out because we're moving, we're trying to move too fast and, the, and we're getting stopped. Th- those two things kind of happen together and either way is, is not good for the team because you're not scoring and then you're, you're leaving the defense out way too long. So we, I think we're, we're familiar with kind of the consequences of that. I think we saw a little bit of that you know in, in that 2019 season and um, with some of the, the struggles that we had that that season, which you know again was was a fine fine season all in all, but there were definitely um, some struggles that might be familiar uh, that we're we're looking to avoid this year. Um, and and really that's uh, that's one of the main concerns I've been getting. I haven't been uh, getting a lot of concerns about the defense, which either means we've been hyping the defense up way too much, or everybody else seems to be in agreement that the defense is going to be really really stellar. Although some people have 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 wondered, um, you know, about how good the defense is if they're just going up against our offense, and it's impossible to tell. It's it's like that paradox where if if you punch yourself and it hurts, are you strong or are you weak? It's impossible to tell. We're going to find out exactly how good this defense is in a day. We're, we're going to find out tomorrow. So I, I really don't have any concerns on the defense, though, and it sounds like you guys uh, don't either. 
So just a, and then a quick note on the depth chart that we list that that was released. Uh, Utah State released it. It's on their Twitter and their website and everything like that. The depth chart is really interesting, and it, I think it kind of plays into what Blake Anderson said at Media Days. We talked about it on the show when he was asked about what the depth chart was looking like and if it was coming along, and he he kind of chuckled and shrugged and said the depth chart is for the media uh, and for the fans. It's not for the the coaches and players. And the way this depth chart is is laid out, it's seems like he's really proving that point. The position groups that are not are still not certain according to the official depth chart. Wide receiver, you have Devin Tompkins or Brandon Bowling or Kyle Van Leeuwen or Nine Davis. And then running back, you have Calvin Tyler Jr. or John Gentry or Elion Noah or Palate Makakona. Quarterback is Logan Bonner or Andrew Peasley or Cooper Lega. Over on the defensive side, it's the same thing. Defensive end, Nick Henniger or Byron Vons. Inside linebacker, A.J. Vongpachan or Kevin Metzenheimer. Safety, Dominic Tatum, but then the, the second string is Monty McGarry or Jared Green. So a lot of a lot of oars on this depth chart. Defensive end, Patrick Joyner or Jalen Bannerman. Either Coach Anderson was serious about the, the depth chart really not mattering to this team and he's just going to play uh, who who's ready to go and who he thinks is ready or he's really playing his uh, decisions um, close to the chest in trying to keep you know keep some of these things away from Washington State. Both of those are you know perfectly uh, perfectly possible and perfectly reasonable. But I mean we'll see. You you can't you can't keep your roster a secret for too long because eventually they gotta they gotta take the field. So I think we're gonna see particularly outside of quarterback. I think you're gonna see some of those some of those position battles really really happen during the game and, and coach Anderson has, has talked about that a little bit where he's he's fine having some of those some of those battles go into the season and into the game because at the end of the day it doesn't really matter how how a player practices it matters how they play so I think at wide receiver where you have Devin Tompkins Brandon Bowling Kyle Van Leeuwen and Nine Davis all of them are really really good and have shown uh, flashes of potential greatness in, in fall camp and things like that I think you're going to see all of them uh, get get balls thrown their way during the game um, and then a uh, defensive end, I think Nick Henniger and Byron Vons are both going to get uh, plenty, of, plenty of time. Uh, same with that inside linebacker where you have A.J. Vong Pachan and Kevin Metzenheimer. You're probably going to see both of them get plenty of time. So I, th- I think you're, you're going to see a lot of those uh, battles take place. And, you know, we've said it before on the show where, you know, with this team, you really don't want to get too used to a really static lineup. It's going to be pretty dynamic, moving, uh, moving around a lot. Uh, a lot of uh, multiplicity, as Coach Bonda likes to say, on the defensive end and on the offensive end. There's just some some positions that are so deep that you're going to see a lot of a lot of battles take place. And for example, the running backs, um, you know, DHC isn't even listed. We we know DHC is incredibly talented. Um, he's not even on this depth chart. So we'll see we'll see what unfolds. We'll see what happens. But um, I wouldn't get uh, I wouldn't get too used to uh, any one roster because you're going to see a lot of changes happen throughout the season. I think that that uh, just about answers all the questions that I've been I've been getting on on Twitter and and uh and things like that so again if you have any questions or have any concerns go ahead and hit me up on Twitter if you you know if you have my number text me whatever because I I, we love uh we love getting the feedback we love knowing what you guys want to hear so that we can kind of address what you guys want um but yeah I I think that just about does it so let's go ahead and uh let's go ahead and move on and bring Jacob on joining us now is the uh, is the long-awaited return of the Top Golf champion, um, managing uh, sports content manager here at the Statesman. Jacob Nielsen is back. Jacob, it's been a while. 
say hello. It's been a little bit. What's up, good people? It's, um, uh, it's been a little, little it's good while. To, it's good to have you back. Yeah, it's it's been, uh, I mean, it, I missed last week getting the earlier podcast this week, yeah. but yeah. I'm back. You're back. I'm back um, better than ever. The, the Top Golf champion is back. That's um, right. It was actually funny. We were playing Top Golf a couple weeks ago, celebrating one of our good friends getting married. And we were all just hanging out with all the dudes. And one of the guys, you know, kind of finds out that I am I right here at the Statesman. And he's he's my editor. Jacob's my editor. And he was like, oh, so Jacob, could, could you fire Parker? You, you know, he's just joking. And Jacob's like, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so if you guys don't want me to get fired, I don't want to get fired. Make sure you share the show and like the show and make it so Jacob cannot fire me because I don't want to lose my job. And, yeah, I did feel like you're walking around in like hot coals. Yeah, I'm like, oh, Jacob's gonna fire me now. So, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun uh, fun way to end Top Golf is losing and then finding out you could fire me. So that's right. That was fun. I guess I always knew that, but still. Uh, okay, so let's jump right in. We do have Washington State this Saturday. Finally, we're finally back to football season. You know, we talked a little bit on the show yesterday about um, you know we've already had a couple football games in the Mountain West. By the time this airs. Uh, Utah will have played Weaver State. Utah will have played, and they will be 0-1 on the season, falling to the Weaver State Wildcats and Jay Hill. That's false. Yeah, I, you're right. I, that's false. It's um, called, that's <laughs> called wishful thinking, <laughs> trying to speak things into existence. Yeah, you, you can try, but that's not the game Utah's going to lose this I would year. love nothing more than for Weaver State to beat Utah. That would be cool. Um, Utah State football is back, so who cares about you know, Utah, Weaver State. Utah State plays, when this airs, it'll be tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Mountain Time, or is that uh, West Coast? I believe that's Mountain Time. I think that's Mountain Time. 9, 9 p.m. here. Um, they're playing up in uh, Pullman, Washington. The long-awaited return of college football and of Utah State football. It feels good to be back in football mode. It feels good to have a, a team that I'm excited for. Not that I wasn't excited going into last year, but it really does feel so different this year, and I'm really excited. So let's break down this Washington State game. Um, we talked about it yesterday, uh, Jacob, and you, you, were, you were gone, but I want to get your take on um, how difficult do you think it is to kind of analyze and preview this game where you have a team in the Power Five uh, where they're kind of a, power, a bottom half of the Pac-12, but they're still a Power 5 team versus Utah State, where in the past decade we've been a top-of-the-Mountain West team, but you really don't know what to expect this year. How difficult is that to analyze, and what can you what do you expect coming into this uh, Washington State-Utah State matchup? Well, I can say from this, from the players and the coaches' point of view, they don't care about that. They don't care about Pac-12 versus Mountain West. Internally, maybe. Vocally, they don't. Um, so I think that for them... They can't be intimidated, and I don't think they will be intimidated. This game is, if we're going to have to open the season with a Power 5 game, this is a team that I'd like to play because yeah. they're a regional opponent, Pac-12, but it's not USC. It's not Oregon, right? Yeah. Like, their talent level is higher than ours because they're Pac-12 talent, like, plain yeah. and simple. There's just, just no way around that simple yeah. fact. But they're not going to blow us out of the water. They no. don't have dudes that are just, they don't have, like, three deep, guys that are all like four-star athletes yeah they, they, they don't yeah. right and so this is a team that we could hang with that the 2019 could have hung with and so just from that simple fact if you're looking at top of the mountain west versus bottom of the pac-12 there's some pretty good commodity there and mountain west teams be pac-12 teams all the time yeah i'm not inferring that utah state's top of the mountain west and yeah obviously they're not but i think they're going in this game they're not thinking like oh man like washington state's way better than us. I don't think, 
or I know yeah. for a fact they're yeah. not thinking that. It's not one of those preseason or uh, early in the season games that you kind of write off and it's just like hopefully we play well. We've had our fair share of those, and, you know, we have played really well in some of those in, in Wisconsin and, and in Auburn and USC and, and others, but there's also those games where we go in and we don't play as well. You know, LSU rings a bell. Uh, the other USC game recently was, was another Tennessee one. Tennessee game. Tennessee was one. Um, and so it's tough to tell, but then at the same time, this Washington State team isn't Auburn. They're not USC. They're not Tennessee. So it is, it is you know, like you said, it's the bottom of the Pac-12 is – in a lot of ways, there's there's going to be you know some some decent competition between them and a top Mountain West team. So it really just comes down to is Utah State going to be a top Mountain West team? You know this year maybe not, but I think we are a program that we're going to be at the the top of the Mountain West. So just in, just in terms of the competition, it should be a lot closer than uh, than than what we might think. And like you said, like I love playing Pac-12 teams. It's a regional rivalry, um, but it is a conference that's better than us. So if you get that win. You get to start your season with a Power 5 win, and it's one of those that if you lose, if you lose and look good doing it, you play well and you lose by a score, then it's one of, you know, you lost to a Power 5 school. There's not a lot to lose for Utah State. You know, we have a lot to gain, but not a lot to lose in this game. So it's a perfect way to open up the season, especially against a a weakened Pac-12 school that I really think we could go in and, you know, best case scenario, we win and you know, maybe so, uh, put put the world on notice, put the put the country on notice, um, and if not, you know, hopefully we we lose competitively to a power five school. So let's let's take a look and uh, and kind of look. We talked a little bit about the quarterback situation uh, here at Utah State, which almost exactly mirrors the quarterback situation at Washington State. They have a returning quarterback battling a transfer quarterback. Their transfer is from Tennessee rather than Arkansas, so just. You know, back to what Jacob was saying, there's just a definitive talent difference between uh, between the two schools. But that's not to say that, you know, that, you know, that's not to say they're a better team or that you know, anything like that. But um, but we have the same thing here with, between Peasley, a returning quarterback, versus Logan Bonner, the uh, transfer from Arkansas State. Um, so what do you think the quarterback situation kind of looks like on, on both sides? And, you know, we, we even said yesterday, like, we might see four different quarterbacks in you know in game one for us because I think both teams are very very indecisive still we better not I think I'll tell you what I think I think one Utah State knows who the quarterback's going to be and Blake Anderson just doesn't want to tell us I think two ten uh excuse me Washington State they know who the quarterback's going to be and they just don't want to tell us I would be surprised I'm not saying we don't see PZ like in some like play action wildcat mumbo jumbo thing like that could happen, yeah. but it's not going to be the rotate and like drive per drive. I think Bonner is still the starter. I'm still at this point. I've been talking about it all fall, and we're like at this point. It's almost like well, if he hasn't been declared the starter yet, then it obviously wasn't as obvious as. I thought, and so many others thought that he was going to be the starter. That's probably kind of the mindset, but I'm still sticking to my guns. Still Logan Bonner. Anyways, it's going to be, I don't know, with Washington State, it's going to be Jarrett Gorantano from Tennessee, or it's going to be Jaden Delora, who's their returner. He started last year. He's a returning starter, so it's yeah. a little bit different than ours because Peasley wasn't, didn't start the season as a starter anyways, but but similar enough. Yeah. He was, he no, was a starter last year. Yeah, in, it's in true. Four games. Yeah, so Delora is a pretty established starter. And then there's also some really good quarterbacks I got to give out to shout out to Cooper Cameron Cooper I believe is his name 
Lehigh product, Lehigh High School. He was a four-star, went to Washington State. I think he's a junior this year. He's the third stream, but I've heard stuff that, like, he's really good, too. Not to be outdone by our own Cooper, who is also third string, Cooper Lega. Dude, it's the battle of the Coopers on Saturday. The third string quarterbacks. (laughs) The third string Coopers. What if some freak accident happened, like, the two quarterbacks from both schools got COVID or something, bless their souls. They wouldn't play. And then it was Cooper versus Cooper. Well, I think both the teams probably wouldn't play. But I see what you're saying. Well, it, it would be the, the third string Cooper Bowl, which would be the yeah, coolest thing Yeah, it would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be so great. So, whomever is their quarterback at Washington State, I don't think it matters too much. Um, they'll be pretty solid. They will be able to pass the ball. Yeah. But this is what you do got to worry about with Washington State. And this isn't something that you've heard very much because Mike Leach was there running the show. Mm-hmm. And he just flies that pigskin all over the field, right? Yeah. With Washington State, you got to worry about that run game. Yeah, their run game is really, really good. And that's why, you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot about their run game because they have some dogs there running the ball. But I think that's why going into this, I think our quarterback battle matters a little bit more because they can get away with having, you know, some uncertainty at the quarterback position. I don't think we can afford that because uh, Blake Anderson does run a pretty pass-heavy offense. And I think we need to have a pretty established quarterback in there to throw the ball where Washington State's just going to run the ball all night long. And so they, they can get away with a little bit of uncertainty. So I do agree with you. I think Logan Bonner is the starter. I think he's going to start the game. Um, what's interesting, though, is Blake Anderson has just continually expressed that he's not committed to anyone beyond the play they're in, right? So we I wouldn't be surprised. Or I, I would be a little bit surprised, but it's not beyond the realm of, of possibility where we see Logan Bonner go out first half and... If he's not getting it rolling, Peasley comes out and starts the second half, something like that. And I and I and I, I like that. I talked about it yesterday. I really like that actually. In that, Blake Anderson is more committed to the team and more committed to winning than he is to a single person. And whoever is going to go out there and perform is going to get the time. So, our quarterback battle is a little bit more high stakes. I think it's, I think it's Bonner's job. But then you look over on the Washington State side. That one I think can go either way still. But at the end of the day, it might not really matter because they are going to be running the ball. And they're going to be running it against a really solid Aggie defense, but they are, they're going to have success running the ball all season long, really. So Washington State, they return four of their five starting offensive linemen, and they're all like seniors or grad seniors. And they're all big boys. Um, Blake Anderson, he talked about it in the press conference this week, just what we've seen and heard and the accolades. One of them is a second-team Pac-12 guy from last year. They're big dudes, right? And so we got a, We think we have a really good defensive front, right? But they are a really good offensive front by Power 5 standards, yeah, right? Yeah. And so that and there is a difference. Yeah, there there's a difference. a difference. And that's not to say I think we have a lot of dudes on our defense that could be starting at Power 5 schools. Certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But there's certainly, <laughs> there's certainly, like, it's going to be a big clash. And then... Like, there's just... Power five players are just bigger. They're just faster. You know, it's just it's just that's just what it is. I mean, we have from top to bottom, really talented yeah. guys that could play power five, but when they have a full offensive line of really really high caliber power five players, it's just it's just a different. You're just up against a different animal at that point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then the man that's going to follow those offensive linemen and look to create havoc is Max Borgie. They're running back at Wazoo. He did not play 
last year except for one game against Utah, and he had like 99 yards rushing. It's one game. He just ended the season. They threw him in there, and he rushed for 99 yards. 2019, his sophomore year, this man, he rushed for over 800 yards. He's 5'9". He can just run. He runs people over. He just runs by people. He's on the, the watch list for the, the best running back of the year in college football. Yeah. Right? And some Pac-12 pundits have said he might be the best running back in the Pac-12, which is crazy. And I think he's being undervalued because he didn't really play last year. But people are still recognizing his value. Yeah. And so he's the guy to watch out for. And they still have they have good receivers. Like we said, whoever wins quarterback battles is going to be a good quarterback. Yeah. But Borgie is a guy that he's one of those guys in the college game that just one individual can just totally change the balance of things. Like if it's two teams competitive and then you just throw one guy in there and he could just break loose for a 60-yard touchdown. Yeah. And he's that guy, and I'm worried about him. He is. He's a total game changer. And, you know, you talk about how he was a little bit overlooked because he didn't play a lot last year. But the one time he did play, he ran up 99 yards against Utah. And against a lot of Utah people, defense, a lot right? of people in this valley don't like to admit it, but Utah is an elite team with an elite defense. Like to be able to run up almost triple digits, you do Utah, not run well against Utah. Yeah, I mean there are probably really there are teams back. that couldn't get 99 total offensive yards against Utah. You know, like if so for Max Borgie to go out there and get 99 yards against Utah, that's really he's just one of those athletes that can really change the game. On the other side of the ball, someone to watch um, who will actually be on the same on the field at the same time is Justin Rice. I think I think this game is really going to come down to Washington State's offense versus our defense because their offensive line is like their highly touted, um, you know, their highly touted position group versus our defensive line, which is one of our more highly touted uh, position groups. And you know, having having them that that battle in the trenches all night long is going to be really really fun. They have a really good run game. Our defense prides itself in its ability to stop the run game. Um, they have some pretty good receivers. We have some pretty good cornerbacks and things like that. So I think what their offense can do to our defense will be kind of the story of the game. Um, Washington State's defense is, uh, or yeah, their defense is nothing special in you know Pac-12 standards or even probably Mountain West Group of Five standards. You know, it's just kind of a, a regular regular defense, and that's that could be what our our offensive our our offense looks like. Our offensive line has. Had some issues with depth and and things like that that Blake Anderson has been vocal about. But on, you know, on the other side of the trench from them, Washington State's defensive line has had their fair share of issues on the depth on the depth chart for this week. Um, or is listed at every single defensive line position. So there's a ton of uncertainty on the other side of the ball. Um, so I think we could see like the the tale of two games this year or this week where. When they're on offense and we're on defense, it's really crisp, good football. Everyone's where they're supposed to be. But when we take over, it might be a little bit of a sloppier offense, an offense that's maybe slow to get started against a defense that is just shrouded in uncertainty. So it's going to be really two different games and how we can how we can control the game on defense and how can we take advantage of the chaos when we're on offense is, I think, what it might come down to. I think that was... Fantastic analysis, very well put. First thing I gotta say, mention Justin Rice. Bro, your hair's kind of looking like Justin Rice's hair. That's my goal. If I could get, now I just have to get my body to look like Justin Rice's body, and then I'm set. Hey, just focus on the hair first, <laughs> then we'll move There's on to the body. That's the easy part. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to all the listeners who can't see Parker and his beautiful locks right now. It, really coming together. I think you're absolutely right about your analysis between the offense and the defense on both sides. And this is why I another reason why I think this is the perfect Power Five matchup for Utah State 
in the opening era of Blake Anderson because our defense, I think, is more prepared. We're better. We have more leadership. We have better talent in the transfer portals. And so if we had to pick a poison of what – if we play a Power 5 school and they're either better on offense or better on defense, I would much rather – play a high-octane offensive team that yeah. has a shaky defense because I have more confidence in our defense. If they if we were playing Utah first game, take away regional rivalry, all that good stuff, I would be very concerned because they have such a fantastic defense, yeah. and I think they yeah. can bottle up our offense because there's so many question marks with it, right? I and think so, so. Especially this early in the season where exactly. we we don't know even who the quarterback's going to be. I mean, that, that Utah defense would just stifle our, our entire offensive team. Yeah. So, obviously, the defense... And the offense, when Washington State's playing offense, we're playing defense, that's going to be the battle to watch for. Hopefully our offense can move the ball. Like you said, all these guys are listed or in the in the depth chart. And they have, they have a couple of guys that are playmakers right on the defense still. They got Jihad Woods. He was an honorable mention Pac-12 guy at linebacker last year. So it's not like they, they don't have any dudes. But as a coherent unit, um, they're not as solid as normally uh, Power 5 school would be, right? And so yeah. I think that we can uh, we take advantage of that. They gave up like 382 passing yards per game last season. Yeah, and which is perfect because that's what we are going to try to explore. Exactly. That's, that's exactly yeah. what we're going to try to do. And with that, they added some transfers in halfback and quarterback and whatever, but like, excuse me, not halfback, and quarterback and defensive back and stuff. But the guys that started last year at defensive back are the same guys starting this year, right? Yeah. So unless those guys have made significant strides, their secondary is not going to be much different than it was last year. Yeah. Same defensive personnel, coordinator, everything. So, And keep in mind, a lot of those guys probably will look a lot better than they looked this year. They'll be more in shape because gyms are open this year. The facilities are open. So I think I think it's it's kind of, you know, we shouldn't write them off entirely. Sure. But it is the same personnel who, you know, did not work very well to last year as a, as a unit. I mean, obviously there's talented guys over there. But as a unit, they were exploited. And I think that's something that our guys, whether it's, you know, probably Logan Bonner chucking balls to Brandon Bowling and, you know, maybe Savon Scarver and DT. That's going to be something that I think we can take advantage of. So yeah. that's that's the goal anyways. Um, our run game is, you know, it, it's fine. Uh, we do have some, you know, uh, Blake Anderson has, has continued to, to preach the running by committee until somebody uh, steps up and, and shows out, which might happen. But I think we are going to see a really pass-heavy offense, which – is perfect going up against this Washington State defense that uh, tends to give up bigger plays in the air. So I think, Absolutely. I think honestly, as far as Power 5 matchups go and as far as um, Pac-12 matchups go, it's just about the, uh, the best matchup we could ask for. So uh, we'll, we'll be tuning into that. Um, Jacob has to, uh, has to run. Jacob, do you have anything before you, uh, before you take off? Um, final score prediction, Washington State 27, Utah State 21. Um, Stoke that falls back, I think we're going to lose this one in a close one. But people are going to turn their heads locally, at least be like, oh, man, this ain't yep. the same team as last year. I really think yep. that yep. we're going to be better. And so, yeah, P-Shark, it's a pleasure. It's always fun glad being to on have the podcast. Glad, I'm glad to have you good back. to be back. Got to run. But uh, good luck to the Aggies. It's fall, baby. We're here. We're back. We're back. We're back. It's fantastic. All right. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks. Okay, see you, dude. All right, that was uh, that was great. It's always great having uh, having Jacob back. So I appreciate him coming back, making the time. Um, 
to, to be on the show, taking time out of his busy schedule, with, especially with the, the first week of school and, and all that. He's got, he's got a lot going on um, with, with school and sports. So I, I appreciate him taking the time. I think his prediction of a final score of 27 to 21 is probably not too far off. I think we are probably going to see a pretty low-scoring game uh, this year with um, you know Utah State's defense being uh, really, really good, hopefully able to stifle the Washington State offense. And then on the other side, uh, Utah State's offense has some question marks, but can hopefully take advantage of the confusion on the Washington State defense, and you know maybe get something rolling. But the expectations are are not too particularly high for the offense going into the season. I do think we have an offensive team that's going to be kind of a slow burner by the end of the season when we're playing teams like New Mexico and New Mexico State. Late in the season, I think that you're going to see a really high-octane offense that's really starting to click, and I think you're going to see Utah State torch those teams and even some of those other teams like Wyoming and Colorado State that we play a little bit later in the season, second half of the season, I think you're going to see our offense is, is really up and rolling at that point. So so even though the, the expectations might be low for the offense, I think the talent is there, and it just might take a take a, a few live snaps to get them really uh, really acclimated and ready to go. But yeah, certainly yeah, certainly a possibility 21-7. to 7. I could see a score of 21-7, to 7 honestly going either way. I'm not going to lie. I think Utah State could win this game 21 to 7. Or excuse me, 21 to 27. But I also think we could lose this game 21 to 27. So we'll see. Hopefully it is that close. Hopefully Utah State can go in there and just play well, look good, uh, really uh, use that uh, use use Washington State's defensive woes to really work on their offense and hopefully they can really get out there on defense, get after it and cause some problems against the Pac-12 offense. We really appreciate you guys tuning into the show. Uh, make sure you're, you know, you're downloading the show, you're sharing it with your friends, because like I said, I don't want to get fired by Jacob. So go ahead and uh, share it with your friends, especially with uh, game week happening right now. You, you don't want to, you don't want to miss it. You don't want your friends to miss it. You don't want any awkward uh, water cooler talk if you're, if you're going back into the office. You want your friends to know what's going on with, uh, with Utah State football. And uh, so go ahead and share the show. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We'll have all that stuff linked in the uh, in the show notes as well. So thanks again. We really appreciate your uh, your engagement. We appreciate you listening. Uh, we're uh, we're so excited for uh, college football. We know you guys are too. So go Aggies. Get your tickets for the home games. And we'll see you this fall. And we will be back next week. Like I said, we will be going up to two shows a week. So get amped up for that because we are as well. And going along with that, we're going to have two shows a week. So we really want to know what you guys want to hear. So let us know what you guys are looking for. We'll bring it to you twice a week starting next week. So we really appreciate it. That's all I have for you today. Nine o'clock tomorrow night, Utah State at Washington State. Let's go Aggies. We'll see you next week.